Welcome to the Upper Room Community Church Podcast. Wherever you are in your journey, we hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and provide practical ways to strengthen your relationships. To find out more, visit us at upperroom.ca. My name is Dave Lombardo, and I serve on staff here at the church as one of the pastors. And I wore this shirt today because we are in our August series, our All Together Now series called What I Learned at the Movies. And without a doubt, Jurassic Park is my all-time favorite movie. To be honest with you, the books are even better than the movie, if you can believe that. So I would encourage you to go find those and read those if you're like old enough to like be okay with scary T-Rexes and things like that. But even though it's my favorite movie, even though I'm wearing this shirt, this is not actually the movie we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about something else. Before I get to that though, how many of you in the room love movies? Okay, now, now I'm on a screen and I can't actually see you there. This isn't a live feed. This is like a recording thing. So I'm just going to go ahead and assume that there is just like an eruption of applause and cheering that all of you love movies, right? I, I think we love movies because we love stories and movies tell stories in such a visual and audible, audio, audible way that get us so excited. It's like we're right in the middle of the story ourselves. Now, I haven't really seen a lot of movies. I don't, I don't get out to see the movies a whole lot. The ones I have seen are basically ones I watch on Netflix with my kids, which is like we've watched Smurfs a lot of times, the Lost Village one. It's actually pretty good. I recommend that to you parents and kids. Um, we've watched um, Kung Fu Panda like 700 times, which is totally fine by me, actually. I love that movie to bits. Cars, some of the Disney movies, you know. We watch those a lot with our kids, but even the ones that I hear about, I see a commercial, maybe I hear about it on the radio or on the internet, that there's a new movie coming out, something I get really excited for, I don't necessarily jump off the couch and go wait in line. Like when I was a teenager, I remember one time waiting in line for hours to see the new Star Wars movies outside the theater. And that was actually more about just being outside with my friends than it was about going to see a movie. And I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about movies. I figure, I guess in one sense, eventually they'll be out of the theaters and I'll be able to watch it at home. But then even when I can watch it at home, I'm not like jumping up to watch movies. I, I, maybe it's I just have a short attention span or maybe it's like um, I have commitment issues. Like two hours seems like a really long time to commit to watching a show on the TV. I don't know what it is. But even though that is the truth about me, there are some movies that I will watch over and over and over and over again because the story is just so good. Jurassic Park is one of those movies, but like I said, that's not what we're talking about today. The story we're talking about today is probably my second most favorite movie of all time, The Lion King. The Lion King is one of possibly one of the best stories ever written in terms of movies, in terms of kids' movies in particular. Now, I'm a bit of a purist. I'm a bit of a purist, so I'm not talking about the new remake that they've done, though I've heard it's pretty good. I'm talking about the original Disney Lion King cartoon that came out in the early 90s. It probably has more to do with me not seeing new movies than it does with me being a purist. But there are so many things in this movie that are just exceptionally good, including the characters. Like so many memorable characters in this movie. And you know who one of my favorites is? It might be hard to believe. Uncle Scar. 
Uncle Scar is, is the villain in The Lion King, and yet he is still one of my favorite characters. And if you actually pay good close attention to the movie, you can kind of see how a major portion of the whole story of The Lion King is meant to be seen from Scar's perspective. So, so Scar is the brother of Mufasa, right? Mufasa is the king over the Pride Lands. All of the animals answer to Mufasa. Mufasa takes care of them. But Scar, his brother, wants to be the king. And he knows that eventually his brother Mufasa is going to be old and he's going to die or maybe he's going to get killed by some animal or some accident or something's going to happen and eventually Scar will be king. So Scar sees himself as second in line to the throne, second in line to be in charge. But then something happens, right? Actually, the movie begins with this scene, the circle of life. Simba is born. Well, who's Simba? Simba is Mufasa's son. That means that Simba is now the prince. This means that Simba is now going to be the one who's going to be king when Mufasa's time has come. And as this is happening, Scar is just filled with jealousy. He's filled with envy. He's filled with selfishness. He gets filled with anger and it takes him over. Simba is growing up and he's on his way to be king. He just can't wait to be king. He even sings a song about that. And while that's all happening, Scar is plotting in the background with his troop of hyenas about what they need to do to take over the Pride Lands, to take over the throne. And they come up with a plan to kill Mufasa and blame the whole thing on Simba. And that's exactly what they do. That's exactly what they do. In a crazy series of events, Scar and the hyenas cause this stampede to take place and they make sure that Simba's down there. They actually think Simba's gonna get killed, but then Mufasa goes in to rescue Simba and Mufasa gets killed. And at the end of this whole thing, after the last antelope has run away, they're all in the middle of this valley and Scar says to Simba, this is your fault. He says, run away Simba, run away and never come back. And so Simba does run away, and Mufasa is dead, and Scar has now got the very thing that was most important to him. He becomes the king over the Pride Lands, and he goes back to Pride Rock to be in charge. See, he was so full of envy and so full of jealousy that he was willing to do all sorts of crazy things, and eventually he got what he wanted, but it doesn't turn out the way that he wants. Because the Pride Lands, all the animals, all of the area around them, it doesn't actually flourish. It's not actually in good shape. Things actually turn more and more bleak. Animals are dying. There isn't enough food. There's no water. Everybody's miserable. And see, here's the thing. Mufasa was the kind of king who thought that the other animals were more important than he was. Scar was a kind of king who thought he was more important than any other kind of animal. And what ended up happening was his own desire to be king took over him, caused him to do all these bad things, and it ultimately led to his own destruction. And here's why I like Scar, because you might be wondering, that's a bit of a weird character to really like. Well, here's, here's why I like Scar. One of the things I appreciate about, appreciate about him is that Scar actually kind of reveals some things to me about myself. See, some some, Scar's problem was that his jealousy and his envy took control of him and made him do some stuff that he really regretted in the end. Did you know what jealousy means? Do you know what the word jealousy and envy means? Okay, jealousy is like we're jealous when we want something that someone else has and we want it so bad that we get upset, we get angry, or we get sad because we can't have it for ourselves. 
And sometimes jealousy and envy drives us so crazy because we want something that someone else has. We want something that's not ours so bad that we end up doing bad things to try and get it anyways. And all of this happens when we are selfish, when we think we're the most important person and when we think we deserve stuff that other people have. So, so what are a couple examples of this, okay? Uh, maybe you go to a birthday party and someone gets a gift or a toy that you wish was yours. And instead of saying, wow, cool gift, you say, oh, I wish they didn't have it. I wish I had that gift. Maybe your sibling gets a toy, right? You go to McDonald's and they get something in a Happy Meal and your toy is a little different. You got a book and they got a toy out of the Happy Meal. And you're like, man, I wish I didn't get this silly book. I wish I got that toy. I wish they didn't have it. Maybe, maybe you got a new little brother or a new little sister, right? There's a new baby in your family and all of a sudden you're starting to realize that the baby is getting more attention from everybody. Seems like mom and dad give the baby more attention. Seems like everybody who comes to visit thinks the little baby's so cute, but all of a sudden, like, what are you? Nobody pays attention to you. And it gets, this feeling comes up inside you that you're jealous that they have something that you want for yourself. Maybe, maybe your siblings are allowed to go and do something or you hear of a friend who's allowed to go and do something cool. Like they're allowed to go to Wonderland with their friends, with no parents, and you're not allowed to do that. And you're like, man, this just sucks. That's what jealousy is. That's what envy is and it builds up inside of us. And you know what? It's not just kids like you who deal with this stuff. It's actually adults like me and, and older people. We all deal with these things too. You know, sometimes our friends got to go, get to go on this amazing trip and they post all these incredible pictures and we're just so full of jealousy. We wish we got to go on the trip instead of them. Maybe somebody at our school or our work gets an award or a promotion and we're just miserable. We say, ah, I should have got that award. I don't know why they got it. I work harder than them. I'm a, I'm a better worker. I'm a better student than them. And we get all of these feelings inside of us. You know, some adults get really jealous of other people's houses and other people's cars. They say, I don't know how they could afford that house. I, I wonder, why can't I have that? Why don't we have it? And sometimes, sometimes we have these feelings where we see somebody else with something that we want and yeah, we're bummed out for a while and yeah, we're sad for a while, but eventually we get over it. We, we go home or we were able to kind of catch our breath and we say, you know what, maybe I don't really want it. But other times it starts to take root inside of us and it's such a bad thing that we like, we want things so bad that we actually can't get over it. It's the only thing we ever think about and we get upset and we get angry and we actually start to do things to hurt or bother or, 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 or hurt the other people, I guess I'll say, um, because they got it. So let me give you an example, right? You, your sibling gets a toy and you wish you had that toy instead of them and because you're so jealous, you're so full of envy, you actually steal it from them and you hide it in your room. Mom and dad or grandma and grandpa go, hey, where's so-and-so's toy? And you say, I don't know where the toy is. I don't know where it is. And you're actually lying to cover up that you stole that thing. Maybe we sabotage other people's things. Like, so you're at a birthday party maybe, imagine this. You're at a birthday party and the cake comes, or you see a cake on display. It's not like time to sing and have cake yet. And you know the cake's not for you, but it just looks awesome. It's got all the candles and it's got all the decorations and stuff. And you're so jealous that it's their cake and not yours that you go over and you like lick your finger and stick it in the cake. And you're like, well, everyone's gonna have my germs now. Like it causes you to do some of these things. It might be, it sounds crazy, but we do things like this. Yeah, adults again, we can do this too. Maybe a coworker gets a promotion and, and we are so envious and so jealous of them 
that instead of congratulating them, we go to the boss and we tell a lie and we say, you know what, they actually cheated. They didn't actually make that much money this quarter. They didn't actually make that many sales. They didn't actually do what they said they did to win that award. And we try to sabotage and take away. And all of this stuff is just like Scar's problem. Scar wanted to be king so bad that it made him do all of these crazy things, all of these terrible bad things that hurt other people and eventually destroyed him. And it can lead us to do the same thing as well. Scar was jealous and envious and eventually it destroyed him. And if we're not careful, jealousy and envy can do the same thing to us. You know, the Bible is just the most important book. Sometimes we call the Bible the Word of God. Sometimes we call the Bible Scripture. Whatever you call it, it is the most important collection of words that you could ever own, that you could ever read. And one of the reasons for this is because it tells the greatest story ever told. It tells the ultimate story. And so as we're here in church talking about what we've learned at the movies right now, we already, just, we already heard every movie is just a really good story being told. We look at the Word of God and we see that it is the story of God who created everything. It tells us what He's like and it also tells us the story of people and what we're meant to be like. It also tells us about how Jesus is doing and has done all of the things that make it possible for people like us to live the way we were meant to, which is in a relationship with God who created us. Who created us. And this is the whole story of the Bible. You find bits and pieces of it all over. And, and as we read through this big story, one of the things we see is that God is always trying to show us the way we're meant to live. He's saying, here's how I created you. Here's who I made you to be. And here's what, you ought, what your life must look like. And so, for example, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, it says, You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Now, this is in a book called Exodus, right? It says right there, in a place called Exodus, and it's in a list as, that is called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were ten statements, or ten words, really, that God gave to His people. And He said, I'm going to be your God, you're going to be my people, and this is the way you're going to live. This is the way I've made you to live. And actually, as we read through all ten of them, we can look at them in one sense and we can say, oh, it's just a big, long list of rules that we have to follow, and if we don't, then our lives are going to be hard. Or we can look at it and we can say, God, who created us, who obviously know what's best for us, gave us a list of things to show us what our lives are supposed to look like. And so this word covet, right? C-O-V-E-T, covet, what it really means is jealousy. It means envy. It means to want. It means to desire. It means to crave. It means to wish for. And what does he tell us? Don't crave or don't wish for or don't be jealous of your neighbor's house or of his wife or, or of... of um, I don't know if your neighbor at home has an ox or a donkey or anything like that, but his stuff. And then I love how at the end it says, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And this is not talking about people who live beside you necessarily. It's talking about all people. We're not supposed to want that. Why? Because if we want other stuff, it means that we're not happy with what we have. And when God was telling this to his people, he was saying, I'm more than enough for you. 
I've given you everything you possibly need. So, so in other words, it's almost like when we want something that someone else has, it's saying, well, God is not good enough for me. God is not enough for me. That's why I actually need something else from somewhere else. So imagine if we think about it through all the examples I gave before. You want a toy that's not yours and you're jealous and you're envious of it. It's basically like you're saying, I think that toy is more important to me than God. That toy is more important to me than what God has given me. Or maybe you want to go on a trip. Or you see your friends or whoever goes on a trip and you see these pictures and you say, I wish I got to go on that. I'm so jealous of them. Basically, we're coveting and we're saying that we would rather go on a trip than have the, whatever God has planned for us in our lives. Uh, maybe we look at other people who got that award or that promotion or that certificate or whatever it is, and we say, I wish we had that. For us to covet and want what somebody else has is to say that that thing is more important to us than who God says we are. That he, who, and he says that we're loved. And he says that we're valuable. And he says that we're his children. And so in the Ten Commandments, God is saying, this is what your life is meant to live, look like. And if you don't live this way, then your life is actually going to be miserable. In another place in the Bible... In a book called Proverbs, it says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. How creepy is that? Rotting bones? Like, it, that basically is saying, envy destroys us from the inside out. Envy and selfishness and um, jealousy, it's going to hurt us. It's going to destroy us. And it's going to keep us from living the way that God has created us to live, the way that God has shown us how to live. We're going to end up being miserable and sad. And so what do we do, right? God made us to live a certain way. He's shown us how to do that. We know what it feels like. If you've ever got busted or if you've ever, like, you've ever gotten in trouble and you got grounded for doing one of these things, or, or maybe as an adult, you've, out of your jealousy or your covetousness, you've, you've treated another person just terribly and you've had that guilt and that shame that just like eats up and eats you up from the inside out and makes you feel like your bones are rotting. Like we have to ask ourselves the question, what on earth are we supposed to do? It's actually like asking this question, well, how are we actually supposed to live? How did God make us to live? Well, let's go to the New Testament, the second half of the Bible. This is uh, telling us to live like Jesus lived, right? And so it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. You know, one, one thing I love so much about the Bible, one thing I love so much about the story of God and the story of us and our relationship with God is that it doesn't just tell us what we're supposed to do. At first glance, this might look like someone saying, now do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. This is what you need to do. That's not actually how we're supposed to be reading it. What the story of God is trying to do is actually show us the way that Jesus lived and how he lived the life that we actually were meant to live as well. And so it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Conceit, Jesus did nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, meaning he did nothing for himself. He only did it for others. See, Jesus was never selfish, or excuse me, was never jealous of anyone else. He was always happy with what he had. He was always satisfied with what God had given him. Jesus never envied anyone else. He knew that God had given him everything he could ever need. And so he wasn't envious or coveting other people's stuff because he knew he already had it. 
And Jesus was never selfish because he used all of his time to care for other people, to do miracles that healed other people, to teach other people stuff that was going to help them live a better life, live a full life, and actually get full life. And, and it ultimately looks like Jesus not being selfish looks like him dying on a cross so that we could be forgiven of our sins and we could be given new life and we could actually receive the power of God inside of us that helps us live the way that he's calling us to live. In order for us to not be selfish, in order for us to not be covetous, in order for us not to have envy, in order for us not to be like Uncle Scar, like we need help to do this. We need Jesus' help to do this. We can't do it on our own because there's always going to be something that comes along and tempts us. There's always going to be something that, that makes us feel like, oh, I just wish I had it, or oh, I wish they didn't have it. We're always going to have that kind of stuff, and we need God's help. And when we ask Jesus to help us with our jealousy, with our envy, he does a work inside of us to take it away and makes us happy with the things that he's given us. He shows us the things that he's done for us and that we have no need to want anything anyone else has. And so I've got one simple sentence that I hope you'll try and remember to, to, when you're feeling jealous, when you're feeling envious, here's something you can bring to mind. Be thankful for what they have and be thankful for what you have. When envy and jealousy is coming up, be thankful for what they have and be thankful for what you have. If your sibling gets a new toy, be thankful that they get it. Watch how much fun they have when they're playing with it. Don't want it for yourself. Just celebrate and be glad that they have it. If your friend gets an award or a promotion, be thankful that they worked hard and that they received it. Congratulate them. Give them a high five. Give them a hug. Say, way to go. Celebrate and be happy for them. If someone you know goes on a cool trip, don't pretend like you don't care. Instead, ask them to see the pictures and tell them how happy you, that, how happy you are for them that they got to go. Ask them to tell you a story about their trip and genuinely share in the joy of that. Let's be thankful for what other people have. And at the same time, let's be thankful for what, for what we have. You might not have, we don't all get to have the same stuff as everybody else, but what do we have? We have family, we have our church, we have opportunities. Most importantly, we have Jesus who loves us. What are the things that we have to be thankful for? There are so many. I bet as you start writing out, what do I have to be thankful for? You'll have a very long list. So be thankful for what they have and be thankful for what you have. You know, The Lion King finishes, spoiler alert, uh, but I don't even feel bad because it came out like 25 years ago. The Lion King finishes or wraps up when Simba, who wasn't dead, was actually just hiding out, comes back to Pride Rock and begins putting everything back together the way it was meant to be in the first place. And he actually ends up having a, a little lion cub of his own with Nala, and then it goes on and they have a whole bunch of other movies, and you know the, 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 the whole empire continues. But, but what Simba does when he comes back is he restores the Pride Lands back to the kingdom that it was meant to be. Every animal has enough food, Every animal is, has enough water. Every animal is safe and protected by Simba and taken care of. All of these things are back in shape. And this is what happens in our own lives. Just like Simba had to come in and defeat Scar and win back the kingdom of the Pride Lands to restore it back to how it was meant to be, we actually need Jesus to come into our lives and become king of our lives and restore us back to who we were meant to be. 
that envy and that jealous, jealousy and that covetousness and that selfishness that, that rotted us from the inside out, when Jesus comes into our king, when we say, Jesus, come and be king of my life, what he does is he actually restores us back to peace. And we see all the things we have to be thankful for. And we don't have to want or be envious of anything else because of what he is doing in our lives. Church, there is so much we can learn from the movies. And this is just a little bit of what we can learn from The Lion King. But I hope at the very least, we're going to see all the reasons we have to be thankful for what Jesus is doing. And now we have a few tools that we can use to fight back against any type of envy or jealousy that might get into our lives. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for being the true king. Thank you that we have a story like The Lion King, a movie like The Lion King that, that shows us um, what it looks like to have a true king and what it looks like when, when we're like Uncle Scar who actually want things for ourselves and are reckless in trying to get it and all the destruction that it brings. But thank you that it also teaches us that when Simba comes back, he's able to take over the Pride Lands and bring everything back to health and happiness and joy and restore it back to how it was meant to be. That's what we need in our own lives, Jesus. We don't need a lion king to come back into our lives. We need you, Jesus, the true king, to come into our lives to show us and remind us of all the things we have to be thankful for, that we don't have anything to be jealous of or envious of. We can actually celebrate with other people and remember and be thankful for what you've done in our lives. So Jesus, we ask for your help with this because there's always temptation. There's always stuff that makes us, uh, that distracts us and makes us think about other things instead of you. And so I pray, Jesus, that you'd help us to be very careful. I pray that you'd help us uh, to think about you and remember that you're more important than anything else and that we don't have to want what other people have because we already have the stuff that you've given us, including yourself. So Jesus, we pray that we continue to learn lots more this summer. And we're so glad that we got to do this today. I pray it all in your name. Amen. God bless you, church. We love you.